Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst, Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to talk about a preview for the Marquette game and for the second round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Michigan State will be taking on Marquette on Sunday. The time, as for this recording, is still yet unknown on Sunday afternoon. Uh, before we begin, I just want to thank you all for listening to the show and for subscribing and for sharing with your friends. Continue to do so, please. If you've not yet subscribed to the show, please do so on your podcast player. Also, share it with one of your Spartan friends. We want more people to hear this information. We love for people to be involved in the show and to become a part of this movement. Uh, if you want to support the show financially, you can also go to the Final Four is on the schedule.com slash support. You can find ways to support us financially, either through one-time gifts or monthly contributions on Patreon. So let's talk about Marquette. Michigan State and Marquette both advanced to the second round of the NCAA tournament in the East region. Uh, Marquette is 29-6 and overall, 17-3 and in the Big East. They won the Big East regular season and conference tournament this season. Number 10 overall team in Ken Palm. They're number five in adjusted offensive efficiency, number 44 in adjusted defensive efficiency, and by comparison, Michigan State is number 39 and number 38, respectively. On offense, Marquette is really good shooting inside the arc. They're number five and not turning the ball over. They're number 16 in turnover percentage. They are not a good three-point shooting team at 35.1%, which is 111th in the country. And they're a really poor rebounding team at 248th in offensive rebounding percentage. And um, despite being very active in two-point shots, they don't get a lot of free-throw attempts. They seem to avoid contact. They're 316th in free-throw attempts per field goal attempts, and their free-throw percentage is not very good at 341st. Uh, they do uh, assist a lot of in a lot of baskets at number 17. Michigan State is number 37, which is kind of where you expect them to usually be. And on defense, they create a lot of turnovers, number 19, and they're number 8 in steal percentage. Uh, and they're Generally not a great defensive team when people do get a shot up. They're 175th in two-point percentage and 253rd in three-point percentage. And the defensive rebounding is terrible at 313th. So clearly it's their pressure and they're turning you over, which improves their defensive proficiency quite a bit because once you get the shot off, they're usually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about style of play with uh, Marquette a little bit, and we'll start with the offense. Um, they play fast. They're the 16th fastest tempo team when they have the ball in the country. Um, so that's what Marquette wants to do. They want to play fast. They want to get shots up quickly. Um, I wouldn't describe them as a pure transition team, but their, their defense does get them into transition some, and they will run. Um, but it's, I think it's a lot of it is even in the half court. They play fast. 
they have an outstanding point guard. And as a team, they move the ball extremely well. They actually have a higher percentage of uh, assisted made field goals nationally than Michigan State does. And that's pretty rare for Michigan State to face a team that that does that. So it, it tells you something about how they play. They've got a lot of guys that the thing you're struck by when you see Marquette is verse, at least the word that occurs to me first is versatility. So like in that starting lineup, everybody can handle. Most of their guys can shoot. The center is the one exception. Um, and, uh, because of that movement, that ability to find each other, all of those things, they can score well inside the arc. They're an okay three-point shooting team. They take a lot of them. They don't uh, make it a great clip, but they're not terrible. I would describe them as a team that you still have to guard because they've got guys who can get warmed up, can get on hot streaks, and cause you a problem Mm -hmm. that way rather than a consistently good shooting team. Um, Weirdly though, for a team that does so well inside the arc, as you mentioned, they don't get to the foul line very much at all. In fact, they're worse at it than Michigan state is Um, their free throw percentage is okay. Like 72% as a team, not a disaster, but not great, but it's mostly down to that. They just don't get attempts. Um, so offensively, that's kind of the deal. Defensively, as you mentioned, it's really all about their pressure, specifically their perimeter pressure. Now, this is just so people know if you've fallen out of contact with Shaka Smart. Shaka um, Smart. Yeah. You may not realize he doesn't play his old Havoc style, which was his full court dip pressure routine um, that he played at VCU and people got enamored with because he had one freakish run to a final four with it and then never came close to duplicating it. Oh, you get jobs. Yeah, apparently. Uh, but he gave that up when he was at Texas to his credit. Uh, but he didn't give up the idea of pressure. This Marquette team occasionally will play a full court press, but it, it's mostly what we see in the big 10, you know, you're, you're typically trying to slow a team down as opposed to full tilt, right. sell out, you know, full court pressure, but in the half, right. Like in Maryland, this Iowa year. at times, and, but in the half court, absolutely. They get after it. He talks about wanting to generate a certain number of deflections. And I think his, his target for every game is 32 and they averaged 34 this year. I think of them and it's, Mm -hmm. it's not exactly the same thing stylistically, but I think the best comparison to something that would be familiar to listeners is Northwestern in the big 10. If you looked at how aggressive Northwestern was in the half court with sprinting traps at people being very, playing a high line, being very aggressive with ball pressure is generally looking to be disruptive. That's what Marquette does. If you get past that and don't turn it over, they're not great. Because of that stuff that they do, they tend to give up good looks, both from three and overall, and they are a truly horrific defensive rebounding team. So it's really about can you survive the ball pressure? If you could survive the ball pressure, 
and actually get to the point that you're getting a shot up, you can be in pretty good shape against this team. If you can't, you're going to have problems. I would think generally too, with that sort of defensive philosophy, that the one thing you can do is you can speed other teams up. And so even though they break your pressure, they may feel rushed to get, you know, like they're sort of harried and they get a shot up a little too soon. So you have to make sure you get it in rhythm, I suppose, and take your time, that extra beat or whatever. I think what that does is that just results in more turnovers from that because they're actually their tempo at the defensive end is really fairly slow. Like they're not, you know, top 20 in tempo at both ends. They're in the 150s, I think, on the defensive possession. So it tells you that I think when teams don't turn it over, they've still got to use a lot of time to beat the pressure. Right. You know? Okay. But, but yeah, absolutely. I would think that speeding teams up is a byproduct of what they're doing, even if they're not necessarily generating the takeaway. It would also make sense too, that if you are pressuring so much in the perimeter, you're not going to be in good position for defensive rebounds and missed shots. And you know, you're, you're cause you're not in the lane. So they're not They're not going to have as much traffic in there to get loose balls. <laughs> I always, always say, if you think you're going to go out there and, and take away everything that an opponent does, you're kidding yourself. Generally speaking, in basketball, many sport, but basketball, definitely you are choosing what to take away. And that is going to mean you're going to give up some other stuff as sure. a result. You know, Shaka smart. Let's talk about him briefly because, you know, he was at VCU, he had a big run and, and this is the case for lots of coaches, right? You have a successful NCAA tournament run. And then there are always coaching positions available somewhere at one of the power five schools. And they, they use that as sort of a, it's a way of building your resume, right? You had that at St. Peter's last year and every year you see two or three of these coaches who go on and move on. And it's not a bad way of of selecting people who are going to be successful for your program. I mean, it doesn't always work out obviously, but that seems to be pretty, a, a pretty reliable way of finding people. Well, the thing to keep in mind about Shaka Smart is he didn't just jump. The final four run came in his second year. He won the, he won the CBI in his first year. And then the second year was, he didn't just go to a final four. He went to a final four from the play-in game, right? It was the first year of the play-in game and it's become a cliche now. And in fact, we've already seen it today with Pitt winning I believe it's every year for, I forget how many years running now, but several, a team from the play-in game has won at least their first round game. We we saw UCLA yeah. go to a final four at Finals, Michigan yeah. State's expense, among others. Right. Um, right, the title game. So it's been done, but Shaka was the first one. And that's what got him that and frankly his name and his style of play. Yeah. The ridiculous havoc is what got him on the radar. He didn't just leap, though. He stayed there. I forget how many more years. It was probably another four or five years, I think. And they were successful going to the tournament a number of those years as well. They got to the tournament. They didn't have any real success. They won a couple of first-round games, got bounced before getting out of the first weekend. He never came close to duplicating that run. I know one of those years they faced Michigan, and it was maybe 13 um, in a very uh, highly, 13 or 14, a very highly anticipated matchup. And Michigan just ripped the shit out of them. I mean, just <laughs> just tore that thing to shreds. Um, that was when they had Stauskas and, and that group. Um, so it was not a surprise, but at least to me. But uh, he, he 
he was biding. He was definitely biding his time. And every year for several years running, he was a name that people were watching because of that final four run. Right. Mostly. And then finally he made the leap to Texas and it just didn't go well. I mean, he left Texas. He wasn't fired, but that was a classic example of get a, a get out ahead of the possible right, move. Right. Because he was on the verge, even at a place like Texas, eventually not succeeding to the level you're expected to will get you fired. Yeah. And he made the jump before last season to Marquette. He's from Madison. So it was coming home to coach in Milwaukee. And, you know, he got him to the tournament last year. And then this season, obviously he's had a great year. Yeah. Um, if who knows, I mean, I I've been a sell guy on Shaka smart for, it seems like forever. (laughs) Yeah. I, I just, I hated the way he, he played at VCU. I thought it was gimmicky. And I think that the, <laughs> what happened there the rest of his time, and then largely what happened at Texas, even though he changed his approach, some um, buttressed that point, this is really a revival season for him uh, as much as anything else, but we'll see if it's able to continue. Uh, you know, he's, in the greater scheme of things has, he hasn't done a bad job, but I just, I was bothered by, I felt for, for reasons that had very little to do with basketball, he became a hyped name. I really do think his first name and the second name, the alliteration Shaka smart sounds intriguing to people. And so that put together with that early final four run, I think got him a disproportionate amount of attention that he really hasn't quite lived up to the rest of his time as a head coach, but he's still a relatively young guy. So he does have time to change that perception. And, you know, he's at a place in Marquette where it's been proven by a lot of different coaches. You can win. Right. Well, and you know, that sort of style playing, we, You've commented on this a number of times. Coaches come in, Richard Pitino, Brad Underwood, and mm-hmm. you know, many others who have yeah. that pressure def- uh, defense. Fran, Fran. Fran, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy Fran early on. Yeah. Well, and, and it is successful, but largely because of less talented and less skilled players. But as soon as you get to higher levels, they can take advantage of those things, right? It's why you don't ever see this in the NBA. You never, ever see that sort of that sort of. You got You got to go back. The last time anybody really did it, Rick Patino, people forget Rick Patino used to play this way. Um, during his during his time at Kentucky, uh, and even before that, actually, um, um, Rick Patino played uh, played this style, and he tried it with the Knicks, mm-hmm. and it was a disaster. Yeah, you you just generally speaking. When guard talent is good and coaching is good, it's going to fall apart. There is there. It is not an accident that it has been forever since we saw a high full tilt pressure team win a national championship. It just doesn't happen. Um, you know, now, now I'm saying that I'm someone who remembers when you used to be able to do it. Uh, you think about Nolan Richardson's 40 minutes of hell teams at Arkansas that won a national title, uh, UNLV under Tarkanian right. weren't always full court pressure, but they did play that way a fair amount. 
Um, and there were other examples too, of successful teams that played that way, but by and large through the course of the nineties, that stopped and you just don't, you just don't see it anymore. And I'll give Shaka credit. He got to Texas and I think he realized I can't get away with this. I'm going to get shredded. Yeah. I don't recall. I, my memory is that he stopped more or less immediately on getting that job. But I, I don't know for sure. I don't recall if there was a year of adjustment. You know, it took Brad Underwood a couple of years of getting his teeth kicked in to finally figure <laughs> out, well, I got to change. I mean, that was awful. <laughs> I finally, I, I got to change the way we play. You know, you mentioned other guys in recent years, Richard Patino, uh, the last guy to do it in the Big Ten with regularity that I remember was Dr. Tom Davis at Iowa. Yeah, for his and entire again, career. That, yeah. that tracks. Yeah. 90s. Yep. And, and note, Toward the end of his run, so mid to late nineties, Iowa wasn't winning as no, much they were as fading, they had. You're before. right; they were fading away at that point for sure. Yep. Yeah, uh, he he used to be. He was actually famous for the hockey line substitutions, where he'd substitute in five guys at a time because he felt like playing that way. He needed fresh bodies, uh, but in, in any event, um, there, as I say, there's I, I'm less aggressively down on Shaka smart than I used to be, but I still, even with this team stylistically, I'm not opposed to half court pressure to being aggressive. I think it's been proven. You can do that and be effective, but it requires, it still requires not gambling. And I, I look at this team's profile and the way that they've played and I still think they, by virtue of the way that they play it, they end up giving up a lot of easy stuff. Yeah. That they're not as sound. If you can do it, like to me, Northwestern is a sounder version of what Marquette does. They generate a bunch of turnovers. They, they ball pressure you, but they're not just, their their numbers once you beat the pressure are not as bad as Marquette's and I, I so I think there's still a line to walk with that that you know and and you know when I hear a coach talking about a target number of deflections okay I mean that's what he emphasizes and and again I'm not saying you can't win that way but that's just to to me to me that's a a modified gambling way of playing that I, I don't think is smart over the long haul, but that's me. Yeah, sure. Well, and you know, that probably part of the reason you feel a little less, uh, uh, vitriol towards him is because he's now at, he's not a less pro lower profile school. So you're not gonna get as much publicity from, you know, like ESPNs and things like this. You're not going to see him much. Well, I mean, Marquette is, it's big East, uh, but big East, you can, but it's not as, it's can. not as high it's, profile as, you know, ACC or the other, the other conferences for sure. Well, let's, uh, let's then pivot here and start talking about the starters for the game brought to you by the brothers at just Do gutters. It is springtime in Michigan, which means it's rainy season, which means you need to make sure your gutters are taken care of. If you have a bunch of debris in there, they need to get cleaned up. If you have uh, downspouts that are broken or you know nails that are coming out of your gutters, this is the time you want to get that fixed and repaired before you get the onslaught of water and you have problems with water building up around your house. So talk to Kurt Stauffer and his team at Brothers Just Do Gutters. They just do gutters. They specialize in it. They're highly professional. They are very efficient. 
They're quick getting to getting to you. They won't make you wait a long time. Uh, you can get 10% off if you contact Kurt at by saying Final Four at K-U-R-T dot S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R at brothersgutters.com. They're located in West Michigan in the Grand Rapids area and the Lakeshore, so out for, to Muskegon, Holland, Saugatuck, to Rockford and Lowell in the Grand Rapids area. So make sure you contact them today to take care of those things. So let's talk about the starters for Marquette. First is Tyler Kolek, 6'3", junior transfer from George Mason a couple years ago. He was a good player last year, and then he became the Big East Player of the Year this season. He averaging uh, 13.1 points a game on 48, 40, and 81 shooting. Leads the team in assists at 7.6 a game and a 3-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio and also two steals a game. So, I mean, there's obvious reasons why he's the Player of the Year in the Big East. Yeah, he's, he's the guy who makes their thing go. Now, credit to them. You know, watching them play this game against Vermont, he didn't, he wasn't able to impact the game very well. He, he wasn't playing well, then he got in foul trouble and Marquette was able to ride that out, but uh, they don't want to take their chances with that <laughs> against a Michigan state. Uh, he's a critically important player for them. He's just been really, really good. I mean, he is the hub of what they do offensively. Um, great passer, obviously, as this team as a whole does not make a lot of mistakes you've got to worry about him as a shooter and he doesn't take, you know, for a, a guy that's this high level of a player, he's not a guy who takes a ton of shots typically, but he's very efficient, you know, 40% from three close to 50% from the floor overall. He's just a tough player. And the matchup with, with he and Hogard, uh, I think is going to be a fascinating one. Um, he's, he's a bigger guy. So like AJ, he uses his size, but uh, from what I've seen, it's not quite the same way. He's he's a guy who's much more prone to say an inverted post up. You know, maybe maybe closer in some ways to guys like Pickett or Mulcahy mm-hmm. in terms of how they use their size than AJ. But yeah, re- really good player. Next would be Cam Jones, 6'4", sophomore wing, leading Marquette in scoring at 15.1 points a game on 46, 36, and 66 shooting. And uh, so, you know, he's obviously key to them to on offense, and he was a second-team All-Big East choice and a good defender. Yeah, and, and he really won the game for them today, in my opinion. You know, Vermont was never really – they never put them under massive pressure. I think the closest they got in the second half was five – but they were hanging around, you know, five, seven, nine. They were still in touch until Cam Jones went, I forget how many it was, 11 or 12 in a row that he scored. He had scored one point in the first half. He scored 18 in the second. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the shooting numbers are good, not great, but you can't really stop the analysis there because he showed in this game what he showed pretty much all season, which is that. He's a guy you really have to worry about getting on a heater. I mean, he can do that, and when he does, he's good enough to carry them. And that's exactly what he did in the second half today against Vermont. So, um, you know, he's a three-level scorer. Uh, I would imagine Jade Nakins will probably start on him. That's a good matchup physically, uh, but just a good player. Again, uh, a guy who... 
you really more more than just oh he's just going to be ultra efficient just drill us over the course of 40 minutes he's a guy you got to worry about that 10 minute stretch where he takes over right uh, so then it'll be Stevie Mitch- Mitchell, 6'2", sophomore, averaging 7.1 points a game on 47, 30, and 74 shooting in about 23 minutes a game. Uh, almost uh, almost uh, leads the team in steals with 59 in the season. And so obviously also a good defender. Yeah, that's his his primary uh, contributions. You know, he's a decent uh, secondary scorer, but um, he's second on the team in steals. And uh, that's primarily where he's helping them, I think, is as part of that perimeter defensive group. But he's he's a good enough scorer that he can contribute a little bit, just not a particularly reliable deep shooter. Then we'll go to Olivier Max Prosper, 6'8", 230-pound sophomore, averaging 12.4 points a game on 51, 33, and 74 shooting, and a little under five rebounds a game, which is second on the team. Yeah, uh, Omax Prosper, as they'll call him. <laughs> um, you know, interesting player because he's there. He's actually he's their second tallest starter, but he's their biggest guy from a physical point of view. But he's he's one of these guys that he's just good enough as a shooter that you gotta honor him. Yeah, you know, thirty three percent from three and on decent volume. So he fundamentally what he does, even though he's not the most efficient guy you've ever seen, he's good enough that he forces the defense to stretch. And that's what you want for this team. As we mentioned, they're really, really efficient inside the arc, right? Yep. And part of that is because they're able to spread the floor. And and then you have five guys who can all handle the ball and make plays. So it becomes a difficult task to defend them because of that. And again, they'd like it more if he was a 40% guy, but he's effective enough and a frequent enough shooter that, you know, Michigan state is not just going to let him take shots. They're going to look to contest. And, and that's where he creates some real value for this team. I think is as a, as a stretch four. And finally, also Igodaro. 6'9", 215-pound junior, averaging 11.5 points a game on 66% from the floor, only 54% from the line, top rebounder for the team at a little under six a game, and blocks almost one and a half uh, shots a game, and was second team all Big East choice. Yeah, he's he's an interesting player, you know, not a convention. We're, we're so used to seeing conven- ultra-conventional old school conventional fives (laughs) in the big 10. And this kid is not that he's um, he's not a, he's not a stretch five. Thankfully he hasn't attempted a three yet this year, but other than that, he's really a modern five in the sense that uh, he's a very good ball handler. So you can use him actually, let's say, get him the ball, you know, 20 feet from the basket and he can work himself into scoring position. Um, he's an effective defensive player, really does work there for them. Um, and he's their best rebounder. He's not a bruiser. You know, Marquette doesn't run a lot of pure post stuff. Um, it's a lot of pick and roll. It's a lot of spread the floor. It's that type of thing. And he fits right into that because he's athletic. He's 
skilled other than the other than the deep shooting um he's what you would call definitely a skilled guy for a five so he's an interesting player but it's going to present a different kind of challenge than michigan state is used to seeing this season because he's he's definitely not a guy who's going to look to put somebody on his back and just work them down and then go over them on the blocks you know that's that's not what they do uh, let's move on to the reserves. We'll begin with David Joplin, 6'7", 220-pound sophomore, averaging 9.4 points a game on 42, 40, and 81 shooting, along with 3.3 uh, rebounds a game in about 19 minutes. Yeah, and he takes a lot of threes. Even though he's one of their bigger guys physically at 6'7", 220, um, his offensive contributions come a little bit disparate. I think 60% of his shots overall yeah, come like, from yeah. three. So. You know, he, mostly he's a perimeter contributor in that way. Next would be Chase Ross, 6'4", freshman wing, averaging 4.7 points a game on 46, 32, and 79 shooting. And he takes a little under 50% of his shots from outside the arc as well. Yeah, not not quite as efficient as Joplin, but, um, you know, another guy who's going to contribute, you know, play, you know, low minutes in the low teens probably. And again, a big part of what they want to do, of course, are, are, is at the defensive end also. It's not just about shooting. And so he gives them a little bit of length on the perimeter. Next would be Sean Jones, 5'10", freshman, averaging 3.8 points a game on 43, 32, and 64 shooting in about 12 minutes a game. He's almost, uh, he's barely taller than Steven Izzo. He's um he's a actually a local kid for this game. He's from Columbus. Um, I can't remember. He's from the same town that Nick Ward was. I can't remember if he played at the same high school because I think Gahana has a couple high schools, if I remember correctly. But um, in any event, uh, he's a guy they like a lot in terms of his future for this year. He's basically providing backup minutes at the point. And finally, uh, big man Ben Gold, 6'11", 225-pound freshman, averaging 2.7 points a game and a rebound a game in about eight minutes. Yeah, and and he's basically there to take a turn each half and just give him a little bit of relief in, in the middle. He's, at least in terms of height, he's the only real true traditional five-sized guy they play. Um, but, you know, it, it's basically a hold the fort down kind of thing. Here they're not looking for major contributions out of gold. All right, before we go to the five keys of the game, we'll just have a brief word from our sponsors. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com slash explore. Okay, the five keys to the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. Reminder that Nudge Printing was instrumental in the Spartan Strong uh, campaign. You can get your Spartan Strong shirts there. Go to nudgeprinting.com. You can get not only start Spartan Strong things, which helped the shooting victims from the February 13th incident on campus, but also other gear, both shirts, hoodies, uh, decals for your computer, for your car, for your wall, all kinds of high quality products, all made in Michigan. And they're the company is owned by Michigan alums Gabe and Brittany. You can follow Gabe's progress on our bracket challenge. You can check look him up. He's listed there as Gabe Nudge Printing. I haven't looked recently, but he's kind of middle of the pack last I, last I saw, which is better than me. <laughs> and and uh, and I, I guess all of us. So uh, you can get 20% off your purchase if you type in Final Four at checkout. Also, if you want to get another $5 gift card to Nudge Printing, you can email me a written a screenshot of my, your um, your written review of our show and just email it to me at eric at tffinots.com. I can get you a $5 gift card to Nudge Printing, which will go along with your 20% off coupon. So five keys of the game. The number one is be strong. And so obviously a team that pressures you a lot, just like with Northwestern, a team that's going to be poking around the ball and trying to cause you to turn you over. You've got to be strong with the ball and just and mentally to not get frazzled if you if things kind of get a little frenetic. That I, I primarily mean it in terms of uh, being strong with the ball offensively on the perimeter, but it also does go to overall bringing a sense of physicality to this game. You know, uh, Steve Lapis talked about it during the broadcast how he didn't really have a full appreciation for how physical Michigan state was until watching them in person against USC. I, you know, again, I mentioned this before. I don't think those of us who follow Michigan state think of this as a particularly physical team because by MSU standards, it's not, but in a generic sense of what it means, it might be true. Mm -hmm. And I think it probably is true with regard to this Marquette game as well. So overall physicality might be an area where Michigan state can carve out a bit of an advantage and that can show up with the way you defend. It could show up on the glass. You know, there's a lot of different big show up, the, the quality of screens you're setting, you know, all of those types of things. But, but primarily here, what I mean is being strong with the basketball on the perimeter. Marquette is going to look to, force turnovers. They're going to look to speed you up. As we talked about, basically take you out of your rhythm. And Michigan state is a team like most teams that plays best when they feel as if they're in a rhythm offensively, right? Yes. That's not a shocking thing to say. And so Marquette sort of is an all or nothing. It's not the Brad Underwood extremes, but as we talked about, if you survive that perimeter pressure and you get to the point that you're able to get a shot attempt, you'll have success. Most likely they are, they are not a team that's able to do that, but yet recover and really make just getting a quality shot in general, a very tough thing. Not the case. 
you can get good shots against this team if you value the ball. So all of Michigan State's guards need to be locked in in that way. Number two key to the game, as it is most games, is the threes. Um, USC sold out for to try and stop Michigan State. The question, I guess, is what what uh, Marquette will do, and then you know Michigan State's response, and when they have the opportunity, so are they going to knock them down? You know, it it will be interesting. Uh, Marquette, as a team, is not they're not horrendous, but they're not great in terms of limiting opponent threes, either in terms of uh, attempts or success rate. They're not great in either area. So that suggests that opponents have been, when they survive pressure, have been able to get a good look. Um, That's what you'd hope to see from Michigan State. It is possible that Marquette, and, and it actually requires less of an adjustment from them than it did from USC, because applying strong ball pressure is part of what Marquette does generally. And so um, it is possible that Marquette also says, hey, we're selling out to stop the three. And if you can beat us doing the same thing you did against USC, great, we'll tip our hats, but we're not going to let you beat us from three. Now, can they do that with the way that they play? Uh, That remains to be seen because I think – I think there's something in it, just as we say, you know, it's kind of a gambling thing. That doesn't necessarily mean you're just shooting layups or dunks if you survive the pressure. It can also mean that you can swing the ball easily. If you beat a trap, let's say, you swing the ball to a guy's wide open from three. Yeah. You know, so MSU could see a good amount of threes in this game as a result of what Marquette opts to do. Um, one way or the other, though, I will say this. I would expect it will be difficult to win this game if they only have five made threes. Right, yeah. They, they managed to do it against USC. I have a hard time envisioning it happening in this one. But we will see. So the third key to the game is the same one we had for USC. It's staying con- connected. And you know, Michigan State finally put together a good defensive effort. They had, it had been a long time since they had one before. And then can they do it again? And Marquette, as mentioned, you know, this is the number two seed. It's they're not there because they're a slouch. <laughs> they won the big East, right. they won the big East tournament. Right. So they're a good team, even though they're not maybe as big a brand name as like UCLA or, or Duke or Kentucky, but they can definitely yeah. hurt you badly. Right. Yeah. Look, the, the, the thing, the difference here is uh, between this team and USC. I, I think USC's top two guys, Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson, are every bit the equal as often pure offensive players of anybody on Marquette's team. I mean, I, I believe that mm-hmm. this is pure scores, but Marquette is a deeper offensive team. USC, you know, we talked about Morgan had 14 points and it was a shocker. It wouldn't be shocking to see anybody in Marquette starting lineup have that kind of day offensively. There's just more balance. I think that, uh, Oh, the thing that impresses me the most about them is all five of their guys can handle. So they're very versatile in that way that you're, you're not going to be able to relax. If the five man's got the ball 18 feet from the rim, he might not pull up for a jumper, but he can go off the dribble against. Right, right, right. And, um, and you know, and they're, they're, they're a team that passes the ball extremely well. They are unselfish, which helps in terms of, uh, 
spreading the scoring around, so to speak, you know, that got different guys get opportunities. Um, they're not forcing the ball to one or two primary guys. Um, so Michigan state is going to have to be once again, really locked in. And it's going to mean, even though Marquette doesn't use up a lot of the shot clock in general, you're going to have to be locked in, you know, for 30 seconds and 40 minutes the whole day. Um, because this is a team that, as I say, has a number of guys that can test you. So that versatility and the flexibility of this offense is what makes them more challenging to deal with than USC in my mind. Yeah. The encouraging thing about them is it seems like their greatest strength is not at the uh, center position. Right. And so I think, you know, you trust the yes. guards in the perimeter defense uh, for Michigan State a little bit more than the interior. That and that is a that is a good point. It was true of USC, even though again they they ended up getting that production. It wasn't the usual way we see it, um, and uh, and it's once again going to be the case here. Marquette may get scoring out of the five spot. I mean, the kid's a double digit scorer, yeah, right, yeah. So it wouldn't be surprising, but it's not going to be the you know the Edie Dickinson or you know cast of thousands in the damn conference where. You know, he's just gonna just gonna put his butt on the blocks and just back you down. It's not gonna be that. Uh, the fourth key to the game is the glass. Michigan State was not terrible, but they didn't get a whole lot done in the glass. They we kind of said it was a, basically a push against USC. So, the question is, you know, another poor defensive rebounding team and offensive rebounding team. Can you get a little bit of an edge there and maybe get a couple extra shots up? That it, it's you know, in a, in a tournament game like this where you know everybody's good that you're facing, right? It, it's huge. If you can steal two or three extra possessions, get two or three extra baskets, that's, that's massive. And so that's something that you would hope Michigan State can do. It will be challenging, but I think because they haven't done it consistently all year, but this is another game where you're facing a team that is truly bad from the defense, from a defensive rebounding standpoint. I mean, they're not just bad. They're really bad. <laughs> and so the opportunities may be there, whether MSU is able to exploit it or not, that remains to be seen. But, you know, it especially worries me when, when Marquette's profile is a team that both creates turnovers and really doesn't commit them very often themselves. You worry going in, okay, this may be a game that you're just going to have to live with the idea that you're going to have some kind of turnover deficit. You hope it's not large, but you know, it would be, it would be a hell of a trick. If Michigan state could have the turnover battle, at least be even, that would be a huge accomplishment. Right. And then if you pick up a couple boards, then you've now we had a huge advantage with the possessions. But even if, if it's, if it ends up that Marquette does end up with a little bit of an advantage in turnovers, then you got to counter that. Right. Yeah. Neutralize it with this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the fifth key to the game are the sidelines. Uh, you know, Tom Izzo has, I don't know, he's coached a couple of these NCAA tournament games, I think. And he's, he's been fairly successful over the years. And uh, Shaka Smart had that big run, like we mentioned earlier at VCU uh, a number of years ago, but since then hasn't done a ton. Look, um, by my count, I believe I've got it right. Tom Izzo is 23 and seven heading into this one in second games of a weekend in the NCAA tournament all time. And I think what number did I have for Shaka there? Uh, eight, nine. Okay. 
all so he's time eight in the and NCAA, nine. Well, that's all, all time in the NCAA tournament. That's run, all time, but including in, the VCU run and Texas Marquette. And, in second weekends, though, he's um, a, a two second and two, games yeah. of a weekend, I should say, two and two. Yeah. So he has the part of the problem is he just hasn't been there. He's he the, today's win broke a personal seven game losing streak for him in the NCAA tournament. Um, so look, in a one game matchup, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, Izzo's Izzo's lost NCAA tournament games to guys that are out of coaching, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's not a guarantee, but if, if you think that this stuff matters and I do in the NCAA tournament, or it can matter then you need to, you need to look at it, you know, and you need to keep it in mind. This is the most challenging thing. I think most coaches would probably tell you this. This is what right now, this scenario is the most challenging thing that a coach faces because you only have a one day turnaround. It's, it's even, I think it's maybe even, this is just my supposition, but it might even be more challenging than when you're in the conference tournaments, because oh, you've although you teams. don't have a, you don't have a day, right. You, you, you don't have a day to prep, but you've seen everybody, right? So this is really it. When you have this one day to prepare for a team. And in many cases, a team that you've never seen. Like in, in this case, right. these teams didn't play each other, you know? So, um, I think when you look at track records, it is not dispositive, but it's another data point. It's something that you can look at and say, all right, in this scenario, is there a factor here? And I'd also add, can it be a factor if you don't have other things that override it? So for example, Michigan state last year faced Duke in this scenario and lost. But I think most people would suggest Duke was pretty clearly a better team man for man than Michigan state. They had a, they, yeah. they were at an experience disadvantage, but they were at a talent advantage. Correct. If you go back to 2017 MSU faced, they beat Miami of Florida in the first round and then they faced Kansas. That was a Kansas team that was led by Josh Jackson, but they had um, a bunch of other guys around him. That was a better team than Michigan State. When I look at Marquette, they've accomplished more. Yeah, right. The difference. They deserve to be a two seed. I'm not disputing that. Are they better? Really? Are they more talented? I don't know that I believe that to be the case. And if they are, it's a tiny margin. Yeah, you don't, really you'd almost say it's like a two, three versus a two, seven matchup. Like, that, but, and this has been my point for a long time this season that I, and, and even as recently as picking the, the, the tournament this year to doing the bracket challenges, this did not strike me as a year to go chalk. Right. And it's because of this factor. When I look at these two teams head to head, yeah, there are stylistic differences and you know, there, there are things that separate them. But when I add it all up, I don't, I don't see big gaps. I don't see the gap that you can see between a two and a seven. Like I just pointed out two examples where Michigan state lost this kind of game and it happened 
because they were facing teams. Both of those games were very closely played, by the way. They were competitive. MSU just didn't have enough in the end. A further suggestion that Tom Ezel knows what the hell he's doing on the <laughs> second game of a, of, a, uh, of a weekend, you know, that he was able to keep those games competitive even when he was operating at a talent disadvantage. I don't think he's operating at a talent disadvantage in this one. I really don't. Um, I think they're pretty evenly matched teams, in my opinion. Sure. I mean, if you look at last year's team, would you say this team's better than last year's team? I don't think it, hands down, yes. they're better, right? I mean, almost yes. in every facet. Are they, is Duke a better team last year than this year's Marquette team? I think probably you'd say, yeah. Yeah. So then, clearly. And that, that was a, that game was a, basically a tie game with what, three minutes left or something less. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. You know, Obviously, you have to play as well. You have to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, and, and, you know, you don't have it as a key to the game, but clearly, you know, how AJ plays is going to be critical to this team's success. We saw that. It goes without right. saying. I mean, that's, it's sort of, it's probably the most obvious <laughs> the keys you can't even, you don't need to say it because when you have these, these, uh, these dangerous guards for Marquette and you have pressure with people, you know, in your grill, you have to have the point guards who can handle the ball. And, and even going back to your discussion with, with Mike Garland way back after the Penn state game. And our, just our question was, you know, this team doesn't seem to turn the ball over as much as most MSU teams, especially early in the season, but there's going to be more. And he looked at us kind of like we're dummies. Like, well, we have better ball handlers than usual. <laughs> we have, I mean, everybody can handle got, the ball. Well, we're playing specifically. What he said was we got multiple point guards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Meaning Hogarth and Walker in the starting. And lineup, even Aikens and to some correct. extent. Right. I mean, right. Is he came here as a guy they thought might play there. He's hadn't played it that much, yeah. but you are seeing, them use him more in that way lately. Um, we saw that today. Yeah, right. So, anyway, it, uh, looking real excited about this game. I again, I just like I mentioned last at the last episode. I it definitely has a feel of a team that can do something, and you feel if they get one more game, you know, it's funny. You always think it's really hard to get to the final four, and I don't mean to say that it's not hard to get to the final four. But it is only winning four games. It's not like you have to win 17 games or, you know, like the whole, like winning a Big Ten championship. You have to be consistent for so long and to, to be able to overcome, you know, various drugs. You only have to get kind of hot or whatever. You saw that North Carolina last year where they were a team that just scraped into the tournament and they all made all, <laughs> all the way to the championship game because they were obviously a talented team, but also they just got kind of hot at the right time. And so it's right. That's been the classic thing with Izzo. You're peaking at the right time of the year and started coming together. And boy, it's just feels like they're doing that right again this time. Well, it, you know, the only, the only caveat to that is um, for Michigan state this year and for everybody in college basketball period. Um, it has been almost impossible to maintain the kind of consistency that I think we are used to seeing. Right. Um, you know, I believe Marquette is on a 10 game winning streak, something like that. That would worry me if I were a Marquette fan, <laughs> Duke is Duke is definitely on that kind of winning streak and they were very impressive. I didn't think they beat Oral Roberts. I thought they were prime for an upset and they not only beat them, they, they manhandled, blew them out. So credit to them. But again, I keep waiting for the banana peel <laughs> any second with a team like that. So to bring it back around to Michigan state, I would agree that by and large, even in some of the law, you know, that Iowa game that they lost, let's, uh, this gets brought up from time to time for 38 minutes, Michigan state played outstanding basketball. 
that was not a bad performance. That was a bad end to what was a pretty good performance overall. You know, Um, they then went and beat a hot Nebraska team on the road. They came home and handled Ohio State at home. You felt like, okay, they're building and they had beaten Indiana before the Iowa game, handled them at Breslin. So you felt like they were building some momentum and then they went and they lost to Ohio State in very unimpressive fashion in the Big Ten tournament. They come back today and play one of their better all around games of the year, in my opinion, when you take everything into account. So add all that up. Do you feel like they are getting better at the right time? Maybe, but the banana peel is always lurking out there this season. And so that's what worries me in, in going too hard on that front. Yeah, no, I, um, I agree with you, but I don't, but I don't think it's, you know, with this MSU team, it's a look, you can simplify it even more than that. I don't think it's that, Oh, they need to be on a hot streak. It's they need to do the things. Look at the way they played today. They won this game, but which most people would, I think, believe was one of their better overall efforts of the season. And it did not include them getting red hot from three. No, we're hitting it. They didn't get a ton. Yeah, right. They didn't get a ton done there at all. How did they do it? They were very sound and dialed in and connected defensively. And they made, they took good care of the ball. They made good decisions with it. And they took what the defense gave them on offense. So if you can do those things, Hey, you're in business, but can they do them? So we're not asking for, Hey, this team's really been on a roll shooting the deep ball. It's it's, it was more than that today. And if it continues to be more than that, great. They got a, they've got a real shot. Well, and it, I feel like every team, when they go to win the national championship, they all have a, a game where there's nothing seems to work right. And they have to, they somehow overcome it. They have the close call, right. And they make it at some point in the, in the tournament run. Uh, and, and, you know, not that that was this way for Michigan state at this, this game, but you, the one thing you'd be certain of is someone is going to win six games in a row. <laughs> you, just, you just don't know who it is well, going to be at this point. I was, yeah. And I want, I'm glad you brought that back up because I wanted, I wanted to comment about that. Um, you could say, well, it only requires four wins in a row. That's true, but it, it requires four wins in a row in a year where it's hard to string that many games together for anybody where you're playing at your best and you're playing the best opposition you can, you know, there's right, no yeah. more Minnesota's lurking <laughs> out there. Yeah. So it is really hard to do even in a year like, and maybe more in a year like this, because I, you know, it's not just about the opposition. It's about, okay, what version of us is going to be out there over the course of these four games and what can you rely on? Yeah. You know, well, uh, Michigan state, we'll try and get out of the first weekend. It's been forever. It's been what, a couple years since the final four run in 2019, <laughs> two tournaments. Well, you're, it, it's worth bringing that one up too, because you are those who want to go at is will say, Oh, all this success is ancient history. He hasn't gotten out of the first weekend in, um, I think it's five of the last six. Uh, the only exception, of course, being the one where he got to a final four. Which <laughs> that's is kind a of pretty, an exception. A big, big exception. exception. <laughs> um, you know, and that's valid. It's it's accurate. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you know, again, I could point to twenty three and seven. I can point to eight final fours. I can point to all the sweet six, you know, all on and on and on and on and on. 
And unless you believe he's just lost it, which I don't, um, I, I don't think anything's fundamentally changed about the caliber of, of tournament coach that he is. And I would say that one difference, I'll go back to something I, I was talking about earlier. If you look at a lot of these matchups, okay, he went out the first four, um, two years ago, last year, they're facing a Duke team that frankly was better than they were. And they took them right down to the wire. Yeah. Um, if you go back to 18, that was a gut punch. The loss to Syracuse uh, in Detroit. That was, that shouldn't have happened the year before that they got beat by, um, Kansas and again, another example of what I was talking about where they were clearly not the better team. Yeah. Um, and then the year before that, of course, was another gut punch. The, um, middle Tennessee, the, the first round loss to middle Tennessee. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of years in there. We say, okay, you know, that, that was, that, that was a disappointment. That was one where you, you can, you could rightly feel like that was an opportunity that was not connected on, but some of these others, I, I don't know. And, and then I, and then I bring it back around to this game. You know, I look at I, Marquette is a three point favorite per Ken Palm. I've seen opening Vegas lines, I think at two and a half. That strikes me as fair, but I think that, uh, in my mind, this is an even game. This is a coin flip game from a talent perspective. I can say that Marquette has played a sounder, much more consistent brand of basketball than Michigan state has over the course of the whole season. But I do not believe that Marquette's best level is better than Michigan state's best level. I think they are very similar. Right. So in a game like that, can, can MSU figure it out and get a win? Sure. I'm, I'm very confident that they have a great shot. Yeah. Well, but we'll see. Well, hopefully Michigan state wins makes it to the sweet 16 and joins Michigan in the sweet 16. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is that as a level of yeah. success that we, uh, what a, that's such a shame. <laughs> uh, I'd say, by the a, way, as we're recording this, we're about ready to see the second yeah, number one seed in I, history go I down. See that too. It's not good news for the Big Ten, but frankly, it's very predictable. Oh, is it shot? Is it shocking to us? I, you know, no. we've been talking about these things all year. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, uh, again, make sure you subscribe to the show if you're not yet done so. Share it with your friends. Leave us a written review at um, at your podcast player. Please visit our sponsors at the. Uh, brothers that just do gutters and also nudge printing at nudgeprinting.com. And until next time after the Michigan state game, the final four is not on the schedule. Go green. Mm-hmm.